Welcome to The Collector's Show, where you'll learn insider secrets about collecting everything, best places to buy, how to judge authenticity, and what are the collectibles of the next generation. Here's your host, Harold Nickel. Well, hello, greetings, and welcome to The Collector's Show. Lots going on for the program. Lots and lots going on. If you look on the page where the show shows up on Web Talk Radio, there's a, a link to the flea market finder, and you'll want to click on that to find flea markets close to you, and I'll have more to say about that later in the show. You'll also hear me say in the introduction for the interview that it's um, Christmas week, and obviously it's not. Um, the timing of that interview was such that I thought it would be on that week, but we ended up doing something different, so forgive me. Forgive me for that. Um, if that's the only thing I do wrong in this broadcast, good. I'll be way ahead. We're going to talk about collecting Hallmark Christmas ornaments this week, and the man we're going to speak to is not just an expert, but he helps write a lot of the copy for the ornaments and is the historian for Hallmark, and you're going to want to hear what he has to say of course, as always here on The Collector Show, we start with the news. There's a new act, a new law about collecting coins, and it is called the Collectible Coin Protection Act. It's a new law that is really designed to help fight against counterfeiting coins, and like I say, it's called the Collectible Coin Protection Act, H.R. 2754, it's a law that tightens provisions that were established by the Hobby Protection Act enacted back in 1973 that made it illegal to manufacture or import any imitation pneumostatic item, that's coin, that was not plainly and permanently marked copy. The law holds accountable everybody, all parties who would knowingly or were knowingly involved in a covered act as described by the Industry Council for Tangible Assets, and I quote, it adds a provision that gives teeth to the Hobby Protection Act by allowing prosecution of any person who provides substantial assistance or support to any manufacturer, importer, or seller knowingly engaging in any act or practice that violates the act. There'll be further stipulations that are going to come out. There's also... Uh, a trademark section for people who violate trademarks involving collectibles. And, man, if there's a topic we've covered on this show, it is the topic of fakes and counterfeits, and I'm glad to see a law. Now, of course, enforcing it is something else again, but at least if you catch somebody, you know, doing doing this, you've got some... You've got some recourse and jail time for the perpetrator. Now, last week or a couple of weeks ago, we talked about collecting Star Wars, and we were talking really about collectibles from the 1977 to 85 era, but I mentioned then that it was time to start looking out for the new Star Wars collectibles, and I was never more right because this year is going to be very hot for Star Wars collectors. There's a new collectible. It's um, Darth Vader, 
and it's up for pre-order. You can pre-order this from Sideshow Collectibles. It's $300. It's got great detail. It stays like this. I wish I could show you these, but um, if you're really into this, the company that introduced the Darth Vader figure is called Hot Toys, and while it won't be shipped for several months, you can go ahead and give them your 300 bucks, and they'll hold one for you. I'm telling you, we're going to end up talking a lot about Star Wars this year. Now, a new book that is as hard to say as it is anything, The Picker's Pocket Guide to Signs. Eric Bradley from Krauss in the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, has written this, and Eric is quite a good writer. Um, he wrote Mantiques, which was about antique hunting for men. Well, The Picker's Pocket Guide to Signs is a guide to, you guessed it, buying old advertising signs. It's the first in a new line of collectible pocket references from Krause. Um And if you're out looking at, at signs and you want to know what something's worth, you whip out your Picker's Pocket Guide to Signs and, and you can find out. And uh, I think Eric was on, um, gosh, quite some time ago. Uh, been over a year. But like I say, the Mantiques and now the uh, Picker's Pocket Guide to Signs, well worth your time. Now, this is just kind of sad, but there was a novelist who wanted to convert his canceled book into a collectible. Um, <laughs> this is just kind of sad. After three years of effort, Terry Irving's first novel, Courier, hit the market on April 19th. His publisher trumpeted, and this is in quotes, Courier is a political conspiracy thriller as exciting as Three Days of the Condor, written by a four-time Emmy Award-winning writer and producer. Well, only a few days later, the tone of announcements from Exhibit A's parent company, a company called Angry Robot, was a sharp contrast. They pulled the book. And they said, our YA imprint, Strange Chemistry, and our crime mystery imprint, Exhibit A, have, due mainly to market saturation, unfortunately been unable to carve out their own niches with as much success as we had hoped. So they jerked it. So what happened was book collectors were snapping these up because they were, they were canceled. So the writer, this Terry Irving, I don't think he's related to Washington Irving, by the way, um, decided to create his own collectible and started signing um, copies of his book. Okay, fine. Now, he's mad that collectors are buying them and then selling them for a lot of money, and he's frustrated. He says that professional collectors are charging a premium, and he's not um, getting a cut of that action Terry, my friend, you just can't have it both ways. Either you're a successful novelist or you're taking your unsold books and selling them to collectors. It doesn't look like you're going to get to do both, so better luck next life. Okay, coming up next, collecting Hallmark ornaments. It's really cool. Here on The Collector Show with me, Harold Nickel. You know, if you're listening to this program, you're a collector. You're looking to buy something for your 
existing collection, you're looking to sell part of your collection, or you're looking for that one thing that would complete your collection. And some of the best places to do any of those things are at flea markets or bargain stores. So you can sit in front of your computer until your eyes cross and not find a flea market that is nearby. Well, you could do that until now because there's a new app called the Flea Market Finder. It's so ingenious. You just enter your location and hit search, and it will come back and give you a list of flea markets and bargain stores within whatever mile radius you tell it. Now, I told it within 50 miles of where I live here in southeast Texas. It's close to Houston. I got pages of flea markets and bargain stores where I could go. So gone are the days when you're flipping through the classifieds to see where the flea market is, what their hours are, or address. Because in addition to telling you the names of these flea markets, it plots them out on a map for you. It'll give you directions. It even gives you the phone number. No more wasting time looking for a place to sell your collection or add to it. The flea market finder is free. Now they have a pro version that costs a whopping 99 cents. That's the one I got. But the other one is free. Try it out. Go to iTunes, download it. It'll work on your iPad or your iPhone. Find the item you need by finding a flea market resource near you. The flea market finder app. Get it now at iTunes. Go now. Well, it's the interview segment of The Collector's Show this week, and if you're listening to us in real time, you know it's the end of December, time for Christmas and decorating, and what better time to talk about collecting Christmas ornaments, and specifically Hallmark keepsake ornaments. Now, if you've listened to the program any length of time at all, you know that my wife, Marla, and I own hundreds and hundreds of Hallmark keepsake ornaments. We have so many that we've had to add on storage space to our garage to keep them all. It's a topic near and dear to me. And we're lucky this week that we're going to get to talk to somebody who really knows what's what. Kevin Dilmore is a writer and the official keepsake ornament historian for Hallmark. And Kevin, welcome to The Collector's Show. Thank you very much, Harold. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks for making time for us. I know it has to be an incredibly busy time for the folks at Hallmark, but you're the only person I've ever spoken to who was an official ornament historian that, like, <laughs> you get paid to do that. Um, tell me about that role and how you came to be the ornament historian for Hallmark. <laughs> Ah, well, it's uh, you know there are times I do uh, pinch myself that I get paid for this kind of a job as well. So it's funny that you say that. Uh, I'm I feel pretty blessed to be here. Um, I started at Hallmark. Uh, it it'll be ten years this coming October, and I came in as a writer for Hallmark's internal marketing studio. One of the things that they asked me to take on was the the brand, the internal brand for keepsake ornaments. And I started writing 
not only the uh, direct mail and email material that uh, we send to our customers, but I also was supporting the Keepsake Ornament Club with writing for Keeps, which is the quarterly newsletter for club members, as well as the annual Dream Book, which is our, our catalog that actually under my tenure became more than a catalog. We were, turned it into a magazine size uh, a publication with uh, original stories specifically for Keepsake Ornament Club members. So that was a lot of fun. Now, my interest in Hallmark dates back to the 90s. In fact, it was uh, Christmas of 1991 that my mother gave me my first keepsake ornament that I consciously knew was a keepsake ornament. It was uh, the Starship Enterprise, um, and uh, that kind of set me on a roll where I became a fan of keepsakes, a fan of Hallmark, and and uh, consequently landed a job here. So that's uh, so that's, cool. <laughs> that's that's my secret origin story, but uh, but I truly, I mean, the keepsakes are uh, are what keep me interested as a as a fan. I mean, I love the stuff that we do, and I'm surrounded by uh, um, incredibly talented writers, artists, designers. I mean, every type of uh, of creative mind works here. But uh, working with keepsakes team is always very inspiring. It's it's kind of invigorating to my creative process. I really enjoy the people down there. So you're um what we what we call in the business, you're you're a you are a copywriter and it just sounds like you were fortunate that you were able to translate those skills into a role there at Hallmark. That is a apt description of my career path. And it, if you didn't know then you probably know now that that Starship Enterprise ornament is prized among not just ornament collectors but people who like star trek um and it sells for or at least it did at one time for a couple hundred dollars i, I think currently it, it, on the aftermarket it's in the 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 200s maybe even you know in the uh, like maybe low 300s uh, do i have time for a quick story regarding that exact ornament sure. um my uh uh, my mom bought me the ornament and got me started in 1991. And uh, like many people in uh, the uh, early 2000s, I had uh, lost my job. I was uh, I was doing some freelance writing and uh, was not uh, full time anywhere. But I uh, but I became unemployed. And consequently, when you're looking at mortgage payments and uh, kids' school lunches and things like that, you you uh, turn to all sorts of opportunities to keep the revenue stream going and I had a complete collection of Star Trek ornaments and a number of other keepsake ornaments and uh, sad to say I sold them. Um, I made a pretty good uh, amount of money on them but uh, I got rid of everything and then I ended up working at Hallmark. I shared that story at work um, with uh, at, at a meeting when we were talking about Dream Book or whatever, and I didn't really think much of it, um, a wonderful friend of mine named uh, Becky Jaquis, who uh, works at our Union Hill uh, photography studio, it was maybe three or four days after that meeting, she shows up at my desk and knocks at, you know, knocks at my little cubicle door, hands me a package, and inside that package was the 1991 Starship Enterprise and the 1992 Shuttlecraft Galileo, and I was dumbstruck by this and she said that back at the time when uh, when we uh, sold those ornaments she bought two of them and she said I didn't know why I bought two of those ornaments until you told that story and I thought I was going to cry 
Well, I mean, it was it was one of the coolest one of the coolest gifts I've ever been given. Um, and Becky's just a uh, a wonderful person. We we barely knew each other at the time, and uh, and that's and you know I mean that to me is what uh, what keepsakes is about. It's not about the cool things that you hang on the tree. It's about the stories and the memories that you attach to them. Well, I and I still have that ornament on display at my desk. Um, and I recognize that it's several hundred dollars. And um, thankfully, I work in a trustworthy environment. But uh, I keep that ornament out every day because that just uh, you know just reminds me of the kind of people that we work with here at Hallmark. Well, that's that's a great story. And um, you're right. That is an expensive ornament. And we also have the that uh, that Galileo ornament where uh, Mr. Spock says happy holidays and um it kind of gets into one aspect of the hallmark ornament and the collecting hobby that goes to intellectual property and we've talked about star trek but there's there's lots of others there's there's peanuts there's star wars there's there's barbie and i wonder a lot if you're uh if your business, for lack of a better word, or the things that you guys think of to make for ornaments are driven by your personal interests in those properties, or do you want to attract people who maybe aren't into ornaments as much as they are into Star Wars or all of the above? I, I think all of the above is, is the best way to describe it, Harold. The, uh, we've been connected to um, licensed properties is what we refer to them inside since almost since the beginning. I mean, the very first ornaments that we made back in the 70s, we got into uh, you know somebody else's intellectual property or licensed properties pretty early. Um, Betsy Clark was an artist that uh, had some distinctive kind of young uh, urchiny looking kids oh, yeah. <laughs> that we had uh, on uh, on some uh, some glass ball ornaments uh, i think it was uh, in the late 70s when uh, when peanuts and and disney characters started to come in um and the majority of that time in fact almost all of those times they were very much uh, dressed in a holiday season i mean there were winter scenes uh, characters with santa hats things that definitely related to the season. That 1991 uh, Starship Enterprise ornament that we talked about was kind of a turning point for keepsakes and licensing in that it was presented not as anything that was dressed up for the Christmas holiday. It, it strictly was the Starship Enterprise pretty close to the way it appeared on screen. It was yeah. a bit of a gamble for us, in fact, um, we were not even aware of just how popular it would prove. It actually went back into production, which is something that rarely happens for a keepsake ornament to meet the popularity. And uh, and that's one of the reasons why it continues to be valuable. Um, there was the, I spoke with the uh, artist uh, named Lynn Norton, who did the majority of the uh, of the starships for uh, uh, for keepsakes over the last 25 years. And he said that originally they wanted to hang garland around the dish structure of the Enterprise and have Santa Claus himself popping oh, out no, of the no. dish. <laughs> no, and no, that's no. his reaction. He said, we'll lose the credibility of the fan base. Um, yeah. you know, it's, that's, that's, I mean, I can see why people want to do that who don't get Star Trek, but the people who do get Star Trek are going to want this to look as close. And, and he was right. Uh, I, um, everyone in, uh, in keepsakes, you know, points to that as, uh, as our, um, uh, introduction to, um, extending our customer base and, 
and bringing some really great, not necessarily traditional memories to everyone's trees, which we've been doing since. Well, and that's, um, you know, he gave you really good advice uh, to not hang Garland on the Starship <laughs> Enterprise. That would have uh, that would have been a turning point for you, but um, I think you would have turned south uh, had had y'all chosen to go in that direction. And I, I totally agree, and that's and thankfully Lynn is a Star Trek fan and continues to be, and that's one of the reasons why he spoke up with that. You talked about when we hit with these licensed properties. They generally, I would say the majority of the time, uh, are assigned to artists who have a, an interest or even a passion for a particular license. And that's one of the things that our licensors very much appreciate about us. Time and again, I've been at meetings where representatives of Disney or Warner Brothers or Peanuts, uh, you know, some of our, our bigger licenses, have come back and said that uh, that Hallmark is uh, in the lead of the way its artists, the way its creators embrace a license, learn to understand what makes that license work and translates it to products. I'm, I'm confident that's why our ornaments for licensed properties remain so popular because we have people who touch that ornament on our side, who truly understand the property and, and, and know why it's so cool. And, and that, and that to me is another thing that uh, is, has retained my interest in keepsakes is that I'll watch these artists jump on to brand new properties, brand new movies that come out and, uh, and do a deep dive to uh, study what materials are available and, uh, and turn them into something that's, that's very memorable and very desirable for the tree. Yeah, that's so well said because the quality of the reproductions of all the ornaments that we have, and we have Barbies and we have Peanuts and Star Wars. In fact, we have, um, this year we have our Peanuts tree up right. and it's, uh, nothing but, you know, Snoopy and Charlie Brown, but it's the, it's the quality of the reproductions because a lot of times with some of these figures, the reproduction, and you don't even have to be an aficionado to say, no, that doesn't look anything like Snoopy or that doesn't look anything <laughs> like, like Mickey Mouse, that they're just yeah. so crummy. Um, but yours are very high quality. The other thing that was fun, and I guess it goes back to this uh, turning point in 91, is the light up ornaments and now the mechanical uh, movement involved in them and the musical reproduction. I mean, there's a lot of computing power that goes in to these ornaments and you had mentioned material science. Do you have to go look and see what kind of technology is available or do you ever invent certain technologies to drive the, the movement and so forth? You know, that's, it's a little of both. We have engineers and industrial designers that work right alongside our creative artists that will sometimes develop things. I think it's more of a repurposing uh, in the sense of, you know, like every technology uh, you invent it for one thing, then, uh, you know, an innovative mind might say it would also work for this. And then all of a sudden you've got something that, that comes out beyond the imagination of the inventors. Uh, I think that, at least in my experience, I've seen our engineers uh, team up with our uh, sculptors and keepsake artists with the newest 
uh, you know, bits of technology that, that come down the line that cost effectively can be uh, integrated into what we call a magic ornament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keepsakes has been putting tech into ornaments since the 80s. Um, you know, it was only, <clears throat> pardon me, it was only, uh, I mean, first time we had ornaments in the stores were 1973, and that and they were uh, glass balls and yarn ornaments. I mean, right. it was only 11 years later that we had our first lighted ornament. Two years after that was when they introduced the first uh, motion ornament, and then the first sound ornament was in 1989. So when you look at the progression of, of, those, of those relatively few years into transforming what ornaments are in the tree, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. And we also uh, continue to do new and interesting things with uh, with the ornaments. We've had uh, solar powered ornaments. Uh, we have uh, um, motion activated ornaments. We have ornaments that record your voice and play it back. I mean, there's just been all sorts of innovation that have come into keepsakes, all in the name of capturing a memory. Well, that's so well said again because um, I just feel like, and it's obviously uh, I have a bias because. I, we were collecting Hallmark ornaments way before anybody ever thought about doing a podcast, and it's the light and the motion and the sound. It's such a uh, all-around sensory experience. I would think that even if you didn't celebrate Christmas, you might be enthusiastic about them. But let's. I, I can tell you a uh, one time. Well, I'm. I do some uh, work, writing work outside of Hallmark, which uh, takes me to uh, um, uh, science fiction and comic book shows. Mm. And one time I was at a table um, with, uh, with, you know, with my writings and also the latest keepsake ornaments. And this was the year, oh gosh, I'm going um, to try to stick the landing here. I think it was 2006 mm-hmm. when uh, we did the, uh, uh, the transporter from uh, Star Trek. Oh, yeah. And a guy uh, uh, picked it up, uh, pressed the button, watched the whole transporter cycle go, and we were surrounded by hundreds of people at that point. And he held that ornament over his head and yelled, I'm Jewish and I'm buying two of these. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and I truly think that uh, – um, well, I mean the, the uh, um, you know, Hallmark I think has, has always been great at uh, embracing uh, you know, every – Every holiday and every uh, every opportunity to, to to celebrate family and friends, and so uh, uh, even though these are you know Hallmark keepsake ornaments, absolutely they're uh, they're intended for uh, for Christmas trees. Um, I think that there are plenty of people who uh, attach memories to them and uh, and uh, and celebrate the holidays. Uh, you know, I mean, hang them from their rearview mirror. You know, as far as I know. Yeah, that's um, that's well said, and. Um... Yeah, it's it's like I say, you know, the hanging of the garland. Going back to that, would have probably disqualified your uh, your Jewish friend from. Yeah, I don't think we would have put a Santa hat on Mr. Spock in the transporter. Probably not. Not a good not a good tie in there. But let's <laughs> let's talk about collecting because you know the we've talked about the intellectual property, but there are other yearly series of ornaments that you guys come up with and one of my personal favorites was the cinnamon bear line and i think there were six of those you are going back sir that's uh, cinnamon bears were uh, i'm i'm gosh you you're gonna you're gonna is that late 80s yeah 
Yeah, or okay. even the early '80s, because it um, might. I was going to say it might even be earlier than that. Yeah, now I, you're, you're going to make me look. Ha! Hey, I turned fifty this year, so oh, well, uh, we're so not that I, far apart. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm. I you're going to make me consult my source material. I'm not. I'm. I'm absolutely familiar with the cinnamon bears, but I can't remember exactly uh, um, when they were uh, um, when they were in stores. Yeah, I want to say like '82 or '83. But there was another line that seems to just go on and on. And okay, now it's gonna leak out of my head, but it was um, polar. Oh, uh, Frosty Friends, maybe. That's it, Frosty Friends. How about that, yes, Frosty Friends um, is uh, have, celebrating its 35th year uh, as an annual ornament in the Keepsake line uh, this this very year. So it's been a it's it's been a wonderfully. Um, successful series for us. It continues to be popular with collectors. In fact, we've even got a ornament specifically to celebrate the 35th year uh, in stores this year. It's so, uh, it's yeah. just an iconic design. It's just a lot. It's just it's very playful. I mean, it it's, it it is. Uh, you know, for those who don't know what the what Frosty Friends is, there is an an Eskimo. Um, I don't even know if it's uh, um, uh, if it's determinant gender. I, I'm pretty sure that it's that it's a boy, but it could be a man. It could be a woman. We I'm not even sure. Um, and the, in fact, I don't think that he even has a name. I think that people have taken to assume that uh, that the Eskimo is named Frosty. Yeah. But, you know, so uh, but it's, it's always paired with uh, some of his uh, polar buddies, um, you know, penguins and uh, and polar bears and things just just doing fun stuff, uh, ice fishing or, uh, or or building igloos or just something that's kind of fun. In fact, the very first Frosty Friends ornament is is just uh, uh, the Eskimo and a polar bear sitting on a big ice cube. Um, it's just you know, something that I don't know that anyone at the time knew it was going to uh, take off the way that it has. Well, and the thing with collecting Hallmark ornaments is if you're looking to, you know, make money at it or, or sell them is that the first one and the last one are the ones that command the highest prices and of course I don't even want to try to guess at what the secondary market price of the first one is but as a collector myself I'm forever wondering well when are they going to stop and it doesn't look like you're going to uh, I think that uh, that that's probably a safe bet. Okay, now I'm just I'm doing a quick uh, um, run on uh, a couple of websites just to, just to throw that out. Okay. I see the the very first Frosty Friends um, ornament is on sale in its box, and its box was kind of fragile. It wasn't the uh, the the same boxes that we use now. It had a uh, um, kind of a uh, flimsy plastic uh, top that you know for display purposes and things, mm -hmm. um, kind of like we've we've put on uh, um, uh, boxed cards in the past. But uh, it's it's selling for about six hundred bucks. Wow! So that's I mean yeah for the people who thought to uh, hang that on their tree and have it turn into an investment, but. The series, and this is, you know, not to uh, get into uh, uh, sales figures and, and stuff that uh, I'm a words guy, not a numbers guy. So Me too. I don't, I, I I don't your... know a lot about that. 
But I do know that uh, the popularity of the series and, and the way that they sell through in stores is absolutely what uh, what dictates it continuing. There are plenty of series that artists would love to do that uh, if they're not meeting the interest of our customers, well, then we probably want to put something on our display wall that does meet the interest of the customers. And, and so sales are certainly what dictate the length of a series. Well, if that's one of the drivers, I'm going to bet that that and several others are going to go on and on. And I could go on and on about it, but in the time we have remaining, Kevin, tell us about the future of collecting keepsake ornaments. Is is the future as bright as I hope it is? It certainly is from my perspective. I'm already helping the Keepsake Ornament Club team prepare for a collector event that we have every two years right here in Kansas City. And that is for members of our Keepsake Ornament Club, which has it's just tens of thousands strong and has been for 27 years since we introduced the club. I know that uh, I've actually had some peeks into what's happening in 2015. I had the opportunity to serve on teams that uh, develop some of these ornaments and we have some really really cool stuff happening um i i do not think that you have to worry about our ornaments uh, uh going away anytime soon or uh, losing their appeal with collectors well they they won't with me um i can tell you and we have uh, a saying here that my wife coined that nothing says merry christmas like the death star and um <laughs> I, I hear you. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, when that thing blows up, it's uh, <laughs> perfect for the top of the tree. I mean, it's definitely an attention getter. I we have, um, and we didn't get a chance to get into this too much, but there's NASA themed ornaments, and we have a tree that's devoted to space, and our Star Wars, Star Trek, NASA figures go on that. You're a collector after my own heart. That, uh, in fact, I remember once, and not, not I, there was a, a big retailer. I'm trying to remember which one it was that actually produced a black Christmas tree. Oh yeah. Um, specific, and and I've seen people online that have purchased those black trees uh, specifically for their space themed ornaments because yeah. you put the lights on. It's kind of like the twinkling of stars, and then all of a sudden uh, you got the Starship Enterprise and uh, Next Wing and all sorts of cool stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, the the black tree thing was kind of uh, oh, I think like about ten years ago. You don't see a whole lot of them like you did oh in like oh four oh five, but yeah. they're still around. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Well, Kevin, how can we uh, see what's what? with respect to uh, keepsake ornaments, because I know that you've got a spring line and all those kinds of things. What's the best spot to go look at those for our listeners? The the best spots, the easiest one to remember, which is hallmark.com. Uh, go to our website and you can, you're only a couple of clicks away from uh, getting to the, uh, to the keepsake ornaments that, that are uh, available in Hallmark Gold Crown stores. I would imagine that our dream book for 2015 um, will be in stores in April, and it usually comes online for people to browse in May, I think. Um, yeah, so there's, and, and if, if, there, if you want to see some sneak previews up close for, uh, I know this is kind of a, uh, a it's, it's a limited number, but uh, your collect, there might be some of your collectors who, uh, who attend uh, Comic-Con International in San Diego, uh, which this year is scheduled, I believe, July 9th through 12th, or July 8th through 12th, maybe. Yeah. 
And then uh, there's uh, the New York Comic Con that uh, happens in New York City in mid-October. Uh, we generally have a booth of uh, of keepsake of Hallmark product, but it's, it's focused on keepsake ornaments. And not only do we show the current year, but we generally will have a, a couple dozen artist prototypes for the for the year to come. So uh, if we get a chance to see any of your listeners at either of those shows in 2015, they'll get a chance to see uh, some of the cool stuff we've got for 2016. Possibly the best cross-media collectible ever, at least that's my um, incredibly biased opinion. But Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Dillmore, who's the historian and writer for Hallmark Keepsake Ornaments. Hey, thanks for making time to be with us here on The Collector Show. Oh my gosh, thanks for your interest and uh, and, and thanks to everybody for uh, for listening. You know, we, we do this for you guys and, and, and you make it fun, so, yeah. so thanks. One more quick word and we'll be back after this here on The Collector Show with me, Harold Nickel. Well, before I get to our takeaway from our conversation with Mark Bellamo today, I want to talk a little bit about the Life360 app. Now, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, and as the holidays are here, if you're listening to this podcast in real time, you're going to be out shopping with your family and your friends. You're going to be going out to eat. You're going to be traveling. You're going to be doing a lot of driving, flying. You might be in a boat or a bus, your family and your friends are going to want to know where you are. What better time than now to get the Life360 app for your iPhone or for your Android phone? You can know with certainty where somebody is because you can track them in real time using the Life360 app. So if you wonder where your grandparents are, your cousins, mom and dad, if they've got the Life360 app and they're part of your network, you will know. Now, I'm lucky that for this year at least, we don't have to do any traveling. We moved to be close to family and friends, but we've also been in situations and lived, you know, frankly, most of our adult lives in different parts of the country and had to do the whole fly drive hitchhike boat thing. Well, I know that my family would have been a lot happier if they knew exactly where we were. And if they had had the Life360 app, they could have. The price on this gift for you is definitely right. It's free. Go to iTunes and download it. It's also on Google. It's available in all of the formats needed for all of the modern pads and phones. So go get it. If you get it from iTunes, you can go ahead and subscribe to The Collector Show at the same time. Give yourself and your family and your friends the best gift they will ever receive, the gift of peace of mind, the Life360 app. Go get it right now. I'm totally out of time. I don't have any time to talk about what's coming for next week and can only thank all of you for listening to The Collector Show here on Web Talk Radio. Our audience continues to grow in size, and by that I mean there's more people listening, not bigger people. So thanks again. See you next week. Bye for now.